This podcast's audio mastering services generously provided by Ottawa's River Sound. Welcome to me, Casa. Make yourself at home. Do your do. Welcome to my pad. This your lab. Go create your Hello and welcome to Face the Music with K23. Today we have me and awesome other guests that will be joining us today. Collector 23 is all about helping creatives, a circle, uh, a, a median, uh, an exploration, uh, a release of some sort. We, we here at Collective 23 help musicians brand themselves visually. Uh, it is said that we help musicians find their visual voice. You know, Collective 23 began as an idea and now it is currently 8.23 p.m. I guess the universe knows. Today we have a journalist, a photographer based out of Montreal in Canada. He's been conducting interviews, writing concerts and reviews for a while. He's had the pleasure of covering some of his most favorite musicians. He's had much of his writing featured on a variety of websites and publications such as Apartment 613 here in Ottawa and Northern Transmissions. I mean, aside from journalism, he's a man that stands for environmental causes, pursuing his master's in environmental sustainability. I can never really say it right, but we'll talk sustainability. about sustainability. Sustainability. Ah, environmental sustainability at Ottawa U. So yes, w- welcome everybody, Stuart Wiseman. Thank you very much. Hello, hello. Excited so, to be here. I mean, you have so much about you. I mean, like we just had some dinner. We had some wine. I mean, uh, n- nothing's really crazy changing into a, a, our conversation. But I mean, I have a couple of questions about like how how everything has begun with you. You know, what I'm saying how everything began from journalism to how it brought you to find the music industry. So, tell me a little bit about how journalism found you. So, I'm a pretend journalist. Okay. I'm a journalist. I've made it now. It's been eight years since I've been doing this, mm. but I still pretend like I'm an amateur. Okay. So how it started was 2010, 2011, Oceaga Festival's going on. Mm. I grew up in Montreal my whole life. Oceaga was a real part of my childhood mm. through high school in Sejep. That was an opportunity to really find the alternative scene of my city, uh, see some of my favorite bands, you know, highlights childhood. I remember mm. Iggy Pop. I remember Arcade Fire. I remember... Seeing the Black Keys play a 1 p.m. show before they were famous, MGMT playing another 1 p.m. show. Those are like the good old days. That's awesome. Uh, I think 2010, 2011, I've got to check on this. I think 2011, mm. um, Oceaga changes. They go from two days to three days. Mm. Eminem is playing this one show in all of North America that year, and it's in Montreal. I'm not an Eminem fan by any stretch of the imagination. I don't okay, think he's too original. Maybe his early stuff was good, but like. His Mockingbird days? He's a yes, Mockingbird, he's but mocking. he's a cartoon character today. You know, he's just like, you know, he's what the Simpsons are in 2019. It's all a caricature of what they were in the past, and ah. they keep adding on to that. Needless to say, I wasn't too excited about Eminem. Mm. What happened this year? The prices went up like crazy. Mm. So two days, three days, bringing an Eminem is one North American show. My favorite bands: Broken Social Scene, Fucked Up, Sam Roberts. Tokyo Police Club at the time. Tokyo Police Club. Yeah, this is like the old days. Yeah. Um, who else was there? Oh, what are they called again? Uh, mm. Flaming Lips. It was a good festival. Thing is, that was too expensive. I couldn't afford that anymore. So my favorite website at the time was called Consequence of Sound, and they're based in Chicago. I rem- I know that blog. Yeah. I yeah, love yeah. Consequence of they're Sound. They're probably about the number two after Pitchfork. Probably the number two biggest music website around 100%. today. Yeah. So I reached out to them. I said, do you guys need any help at all covering Oceaga this year? And they said, can you write? Can you take pictures? I was like, of course I can. I'm so good at this. I was a science student. 
You know, I knew my, like, I was a really good writer in high school, but I embraced kind of the science after that. And so I'm okay. like, yeah, of course I can do this. No problem. Um, and next thing you know, they, they liked the sample I sent into them and they sent me with a media pass to the festival, including a photo pass. So I was like right stage, stage center. That's amazing. Yeah. And so there I was there kind of like trying to blend in, trying to make sure nobody knows. I'm a 19 year old kid at the time, yeah. trying to pretend to be a journalist next to all these. I met at the time, George Trampolampoulos, the Gion Gomeshi before scandals. Like I met all those guys. It's like, wow, this is my journalistic heroes. That's Look, incredible. Yeah. And then off, just, off consequence of sound. Yeah. I used to follow them when I used to be on HypeMachine.com. Oh, yeah, HypeMachine. Hype, yeah, Hype yeah. Machine was uh, one of like, be, my be pre-Spotify days. Yeah. Right? So then that's what I, I met, like, you yeah, know, like Indie Shuffle. Indie Shuffle, for example, some blogs like that, and, like, other things. Like, you know, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I just made connections there. Made more and more connections, and eight years later, I'm still doing the same thing. Still going to shows, reviewing shows, interviewing artists. Yeah. Um, Actually, that year was kind of cool. Sheepdogs, pretty big Canadian band right now. Yeah. At the time, they just won a contest, Rolling Stone magazine, to be on the front cover. That's how they got famous. Mm. The Sheepdogs were part of a big contest to see who could be on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. I had the last interview with them before that. So they were just kind of a band coming up. They just had found out that they might be winning. And I interviewed them that day when they found out that they won. Damn. So that was pretty cool. That was like a good, like... At the same time, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I was more there to see my favorite bands as a kid than to actually report on what was going on. Yeah. And, and almost like you're no longer just a fan, but you're like, I'm here curious about you. Yeah. But also, do you find that when you're doing something that you don't really, mm. you know, you've got to make it up on the spot when you're trying something for a first time. Yeah. And try to blend it. And years and years later, like, let's say with your poetry. Most definitely. I'm sure that your first poetry might have been more experimental in some ways than Absolutely. it was today because you didn't know what the rules were. Yeah. You had no idea what the rules were. You just went for it and created something that meant a lot to you. Yeah. For me, I had no idea what the rules were. I snuck backstage. I met my yeah. favorite, met Broken Social Scene, met <laughs> Dallas Green from City and Color, met a bunch of my favorite bands. That if yeah. I wasn't a legit journalist, I would never try that stuff because you'd be banned from the most festival. Definitely, yeah. Most definitely. It's like you got to get permission from this and that and et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. Like, so that's actually very interesting. I have, my, my question to you that that's actually coming up from this is like, what do you see as the, like the hot button stories or areas of coverage that your readership is deeply interested in over the, like the next six months on like what's, what's over, what's done, what's, the, what's dead in, in your opinion? It's interesting. It's really changed a lot. Like, uh, have you heard about the recent Ryan Adams news? Ryan Adams, no. Can you tell me a little bit? Uh, he's been accused by multiple women of kind of regressing their careers. Mm. Um, he was kind of emotionally manipulative to these people. He, um, you know, Ryan Adams is one of my favorite singer songwriters. Okay. He's, and by the way, not Brian Adams, just making sure, okay. you know, <laughs> Ryan <laughs> Adams, Brian Adams. So Ryan is incredible alt country singer songwriter, some rock and roll in there. And unfortunately, um, he is a pretty shitty person, it turns out. Um, and that's been a big focus right now in the media and in the news okay. is how do we get these women voices f further ahead that have been pushed to the side for too long by yeah. kind of greedy, I don't know, male dominated industry. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Wow. Okay. Wow. I mean, with that being said, uh, I mean, they're, they're bringing light into what's happening with, um, some of their voices and I mean today you you saw a lot of voices you heard a lot of voices um, downtown with uh, do you believe that maybe um, touching upon all 
So, I mean, it's a heavy subject. I just, it's a heavy subject. Like, and it, I just don't know where to begin with it. Well, that's I mean, like, like, I don't even know if we have to dig into it because I'm still on the fence. Yeah. Like, I believe that there have been voices that have been marginalized over time through the music industry going back at least to the 50s to today. Yeah. Based on race, gender, sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always been in the same, I don't know, I might get in trouble for this, but like, yeah. I like good art. You More know, stuff. you could be a shitty person and I will not go see your show and yeah. I will not go because I won't give you money. But I like to see art as it comes yeah. along and see what it's, it looks it's like. It's funny you know? because like one of my questions here that I had for you was what kind of story or information should I just never bother you with? That's probably <laughs> like, because you know, Ryan Adams did some really shitty stuff. Yeah. That's what these stories have all come out Most with. Definitely. There's been five women going through the details. Um, the thing is that David Bowie, yeah. I think he abused a minor in the seventies. Uh, the bass player from the Rolling Stones married to a 13 year old girl. Like mm-hmm. there's been some really shitty, incredible musicians. Miles yeah. Davis beat his wife, M- beat many women. Miles Davis, Bob Marley beat people mm-hmm. like John Lennon as well. People, you think of peace, you think of John Lennon and you think of Bob Marley, these songs of love, joy, and peace. But behind the scenes, they were horrible people to women. But unfortunately, but fortunately, you know, like the Beatles, that's beautiful art. Mm-hmm. Miles Davis is beautiful art. I don't want to meet these people. Although they're dead now, of course, but like, yeah. you know, I don't want to be around these people. I don't treat these people as idols for who they are as yeah. human beings, but their art really did change my life and change the whole music genre for a lot of most definitely so like what's the most like outrageous story or assignment uh that you had to cover Hmm. like it was crazy it was like it was out of your comfort zone uh i'd say that like you know like early on i wasn't still to today my weakness is uh judging electronic music on a cd so for me electronic music has really been more about like the live experience of it, yeah, of dancing, of you know being around other people. But when you're given a DJ's CD and they hear, like, "Here you go, review this," I've always had trouble with that because yeah. I find that that type of music you can only really judge and feel in a room with other people. Yeah, you know, they have to see how other people are responding to it. Like, sure, I might really dig a song, but I want to see how other people are dancing to something like electronic music. Mm. And that was a big struggle for me early on, is being given electronic albums, being like, "Here you go." Here's a DJ, review this album. Interesting. And I remember that was something I really struggled with where I'd go to other producers and be like, what do you think about this? Mm. Because I don't know that stuff. You know, for me, I'm a guitar player. Mm. I was raised on, you know, the classic rock of the 70s. Yeah. I know jazz. I know rock. I know experimental rock, electronic rock. But when it comes out, just like pure DJ making in the studio. Producing. I can't judge that. You You know, I I, I get judged like what's overproduced and what's what I like to listen to. Mm But I can't break that down into saying, "Oh, it's this type of chord." Yeah, you know, when, I, when I'm re- re- writing an al- when I'm writing an album review, I like to say, like, "This song is minor key, it brings up this emotions." For me, dance music is this one emotion. Dance music yeah. is have fun, move, yeah, have move, a party, happiness. move, go for it. Yes, and that to me is a kind of a challenge when you're writing about it because you don't want to write the same line over and over and over again and saying like, "Track one, yeah, nodded in my head, I was really into it, moving." Track two, oh, this one would be great on the dance floor. <laughs> Track three, you know, it's all the same. Like and it it's like, energy. it's an incredible genre, but I find it's a challenge to write about it. Yeah. And the us really, you know what? This is also a challenge of the way that we write about music. Yeah. You know, music journalism was probably born with Rolling Stone magazine yeah. in the 60s. Downbeat magazine for jazz in the 60s as well. Like, the way we talk about music is we analyze it song by song. We talk about the components of the album. We talk about where the artist came from before, what their journey was like, how they got there. Mm-hmm. That doesn't always apply to music that's meant yeah. just to have no emotion. You know, 
people don't want to overthink. They think they're dance music. Yeah. They just want to dance. They just want to. Dance they don't want writing like, about that. That's my own personal opinion. Is that like writing about that type of electronic music is kind of useless. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. you know what that, that actually brings me back to the, next to the next my, my next question, right? When I wrote, um, what are things that you don't like about current journalism practices that you wish you can change? Hmm. It's too much of it. I know. Huh? That's one problem. Yeah. Is that George Shampolampoulos is one of my heroes in terms of industry and like music journalism and who he was and much music to CBC and all that. And some words of wisdom he once gave me is he said, I told him about my career, where I've been, and how I want to really make it as a music journalist. He said, today, we don't pay musicians. So why are we going to pay for somebody to write about something that's also worthless? So, and that hit me hard. It was like, this coming from a guy who really made it big in this field. And he said, when he was, making, when he was starting up, it was in the 90s, early 2000s, much music. I remember being in elementary school, watching much music. That's how I learned about music, was from that. Yeah. There were only a certain number of VJs on the TV. You liked yeah. what they liked. And you followed them. Mm-hmm. The music blogs on the internet, they weren't as big at the time. You know, MTV and much music were still dominating that. What's you had that? some print journalism. You had Rolling Stone Magazine. You had Downbeat. You had NME in England. You had a whole bunch of other publications. Mm-hmm. But you had to go out to the store and you find like, put in your hand one yeah. of those per month. So it's not constantly changing. Yeah, what's that? The internet's changed that where everybody can write about music. Everybody can access music. Yeah. Also, I found that like, Music is so much more part of our generation than previous generations. In the past, music was something you savored. You had to go to the radio, to the boombox, go to the club, go to the live show and hear it. Turn on your radio, you don't know what you're going to hear. Yeah. You could hope for the best, hear your favorite song. Yeah. We raised up, we were growing up in a time where any song we want to hear, we could listen to it at any time at any place. We carry around music in our pocket, we carry around yeah. in our cell phones, we carry around all of music. You turn on Spotify, that's every song. You got it right there. Yeah. Whatever mood you're on, put it on, you go. Yeah. So people's identities today have really been forged around what kind of music they listen to, what they like. Everybody has headphones in their ears everywhere they go. And yeah. in the past, you know, music was something that you kind of, yeah, you, know, you save it more. You went out to yeah. find it. And as a result of that, if everybody picking and being their own DJ and telling themselves what is good or what's not good, they could write about it just as easily as I can. I mean, almost so, like make a playlist on a, on a commentary. The, the, the playlist is a commentary. I mean, it's very interesting. It's an oversaturation, I find. You know, it's like, um, you know, it's a challenge to be paid for sure as a music journalist. That's the big challenge as well. It's who's going to pay you for your opinion on music? Whereas, yeah. you know, you find somebody who loves, let's say the new Avril Lavigne, Nicki Minaj song that came out. Yeah, I, I listened to the album. I did listen. To okay, I haven't heard the full record yet, but I listened yeah. to that one song. I was just like, "This is some overproduced bullshit over yeah. here." <laughs> yeah, it's true. But it's got a whole lot of listens. It's got a whole lot of hits. Yeah, most definitely. And I don't know. I think that it's it just like it's the momentum behind it. You yeah. find somebody who really likes that song. It's a popular song, so they write about that song. Yeah, you get the hits. You get so the follows. It's funny because I'm noticing that a lot of artificial intelligence is taking a lot of yeah. journalism's. Like, um, yeah, like job, like as meaning, like it's all about recommendations. Now it, it, we no longer trust the journalists to give us their opinion as to, hey, if you like that that album, maybe you like this also this album, like this other album. But like the the artificial intelligence knows it from your listening habits, right? So, like, I mean, from for me, like, what is your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, on that point, I was at a conference recently, and there was a whole talk about how to get onto hitmakers playlists. Mm. In the past, it's conferences that say how to get onto the blogs, how to get the attention of the writers. 
That's not anymore. Now it's about how to get into the algorithm fitting of the blogs. Sorry, of the Spotify playlist. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, and that's changing it. You know why? You know why should I have to discover a band anymore if a band can just play a song in a certain rhythm with a certain key and a pitch and now they're in the playlist. Now they're famous. A mathematical equation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at a band like Greta Van Fleet. That's a band that copied note for note everything from Led Zeppelin. And, you know, Pitchfork had a fantastic review of their most recent album. It's one of the funniest reviews I'll ever read. I highly recommend you check it out. But that band there, it's all algorithm based. Um, they end up in these playlists with the Zeppelins, the Who, the Jimi Hendrix, because they're essentially note for note copying these 70s rock bands. Yeah. And they're huge. Wow. Just because the algorithms found them. That's how they got their way. So then, with, with all this, like, what do you what do you think is the most important job of journalists and the press in general to, for today? Then that's hard because it doesn't only touch on music journalism; it yeah. touches on all journalism. All journalism. And we're living in a time right now where I can't tell you what's going to happen because we're living in a time of fake news. We're living in a time of BuzzFeed newsroom firing like thirty percent of their staff. Vice News let go of a lot of other people. Um, it's a dark time for journalism as a whole. But at the same time, you have some beautiful think pieces that have been written in the era of Trump. People are really digging in deep. The New York Times never had a higher subscription level, Washington Post. But you're losing your local journalism. You're losing your like, you know, your local paper you'll pick up in the coffee shop. Yeah, most definitely. Those are all disappearing. And uh, yeah. we're getting national trends. We're getting people like the same music from one side of the coast, from one coast to another. Whereas in the past, you had the regionality behind it or what the tastemakers liked in your city. Mm. Wow, man, we, we're, we're touching on some crazy subjects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. Like, I, I think that uh, it was a good warm up with the wine, you know, <laughs> earlier. So, like, uh, um, you know, let's switch off the the subject about you know because of the the the, the use the the what am I saying the overdose of data, the overdose of information. I want to actually get to know how you manage it. Throughout all this, you know, right? So, I mean, with, I mean, I want to know what what bloggers you pay attention to the most right now. What, what, you, what? I mean, if you blog and what kind of sort of items, gossip, or otherwise, what use, what useful snippets of the, all this data overflow? How do you manage it? What do you, what do you do to? That's very hard, you know. Like, you know, how Spotify gives you your most listened to artists of each year. Yeah. So. I don't know about you, but my most listened to artist of 2018 was apparently Bob Dylan. You know, like Bob Dylan is a guy who sure he's making new music, but that's all old stuff. Yeah. And that's just because that's what I know. That's easy to access. There's so much new music coming out all the time yeah. that I'll listen to all this stuff, but I don't come back to it because another new album came out. So yeah. I end up putting on repeat the stuff that was part of my DNA, like the Bob Dylan, but all these new artists are coming up. You'll write something like, this is a great album. I'll go back yeah. to this. But you can't because the next album is coming out from another group and another one and another one. Yeah. More, uh, more music was released last year than music released in the entire decade of the 1960s. What? Yeah. 2017. Oh, 2018, yeah, yeah. And But yeah. you say same for 2017, same for 2016. Because me and you, we can right now, let's make a song right now, these microphones, and we'll put it on iTunes. There, the song is made, it's, it's out there. there. Yeah. That's a song. You're very right. In the 60s, you needed the producer, you needed the money for a studio, you needed a label to back you up, put you in the studio. So it's so easy today to make music. And because there's so much music out there, I do feel you have your, like, there's a Jimi Hendrix out there somewhere. Just nobody knows where he is. Wow. That's what I really feel is that we've got so much going on. There's too much. And how do I find what's going on is, uh, 
you know, I do it for, I look at blogs, I get emails from different labels, recommend different albums. Um, if it's not something I'm reviewing, if I'm just trying to check out new music, mm-hmm. something I've always found is uh, I definitely recommend Pitchfork's best new music feature. I love Pitchfork. That's good. But something else I recommend is that dig into their re- reviews. Mm-hmm. Anything that they review in like a 6.9 to 7.5 range, that does not make their best new music, but it's often some of the really good stuff there. Wow, yeah. interesting. And the reason behind that is just like, sometimes it's not cool to like some of those musicians. You know, you'll read the text of those reviews and they'll be glowing reviews. And they really praise the record. Oh. The number doesn't add up to what yeah. they're pushing forward. Well, Stephanie, well, no. honestly, I'm so happy that you came to the to, to the podcast today to share your thoughts on all this. Like, because I, I, you know, the this is actually the first podcast, and I, you know, I'm still getting new to the the pauses and the and the conversation flow. But you know, I feel so comfortable with you, and I know we've only been uh, friends for almost like a year now. Yeah. But now we like we come by, and now we have put mics in front of our faces, and this this is where we are right now. Right? And now looking at the history of you as a journalist, uh, would you choose this career knowing that what you know now? Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. there's no better feeling in my mind to being at a festival, taking photos, and turning around and seeing thirty thousand people behind you. You know, you, you feel that energy. You feel that energy yeah. every time you're in one of these places. Interactions I've had over the years have been incredible. You know, I'm somebody that like, I like to really get to know my music. I want to mm. find out kind of, are these musicians assholes? Or are these good people on the <laughs> side? Like, who are, who, who do I like? Why yeah. do I like them? And uh, yeah, I've just had some many adventures from, you know, you could go from guys from Sonny Rollins to Pearl Jam. I've, I've met some cool people Did through this. It, it cleared out that blurred line between artist and fan. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Yeah. So now, do you do you do you come in to approach musicians differently, knowing that you met yeah these well legends in the music industry? So when I first started, I was really doing festival reviews, mm-hmm. live show reviews, but for the last two years, my focus has been interview with other musicians. Yeah, and that's where I really thrive is the interview aspect of it. Is I can connect with people now over time. Like I know. I, 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 it's a language you learn. It's a le- level of respect you have yeah. where you're not seeing somebody as a rock star. You're seeing somebody as like a human being a who's human being. talented at music. Yeah. Yeah. You have a different lens than many, many people in the music industry. You yeah. yeah. And you have a, you have a different voice cause you're coming from a, not a fan, but not even a critique, not even a feedback, but you're like exploring. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like, I don't know, but for me, whenever I listen to music, I write questions of what, what I want to ask this person. Yes. And like, I have no idea if I'll ever interview them. But you know, like today I was listening to, what's in Mr. Bob Dylan, my all time favorite. <laughs> I was listening to this record Planet Waves. I don't know why, but I feel like you have like a, like a playlist that you just put on shuffle that's just all Bob Dylan. Well, Bob, I could get into this. I could do a whole podcast on Bob Dylan. <laughs> I'm down. But Bob Dylan is somebody where he has a song for every emotion you could ever feel. Uh, he's got something for everything. I'd say I was listening to Planet Waves, 1974 record, Bob Dylan with the band. Um, yeah, and the song, the last one on the record, Wedding Song is what it's called. The whole record, all the way through, you got the bands. You got Robbie Robertson, you've got Richard Manuel, Rick Danko, Garth Hudson, and Mr. Lee Van Helm on drums. You've got the whole group there backing them up. It feels like you're in the room with them. It's kind of like Bob Dylan's version of Neil Young's The Night's the Night. It's a very loose record. It's, you tell it's a bunch of friends in a room having fun. But that last song on the record, Wedding Song, Bob Dylan, acoustic on the guitar. You hear kind of like a... All the way through, but it's actually it's no, it's not as rhythmic as like, that. Like it's like every now and then a pop in and out. 
Like, what is that? What's that sound? That's not a drum. That's Bob Dylan's guitar. What's that popping sound? Those were his buttons of his coat. He wanted to do one take and that's it. He walked in and I, I didn't know this stuff before. I, just think I, write these, I, I have these questions. I'm like, what am I listening to right now? I did a deep dive into that one specific song. Turns out Dylan, the whole record was finished. And he's like, I've got this. He walks in, puts it on a song, one take, doesn't want to play it ever again. I think he played it only nine times in his life after that. Does it one time and the buttons of his coat are just hitting the microphone as he's playing it. So it's, it's sloppy, but the words in there are something else. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It, it, it's, it's so inspiring listening to you speak about uh, just music. It, it's almost refreshing, especially in a world, again, of oversaturation. Uh, because of how, how often my Discover Weekly just hits me with new tracks at all times, which one, I love the music. But I'm no longer focused on the artist anymore. I'm focused on how do I create um and the vibe in this environment. But you, bringing me right back to the beautiful classical, you know, like wonder and discovery as to wait a minute, what am I listening to? I'm actually gonna really listen to this song rather than yeah. And if I'm, new music today is lacking that, yeah. there's such a need to be perfect today. Everybody wants their songs to sound. Flawless and perfect. Yeah, just like their Instagrams. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all <laughs> filters. Your music today is with the filter. That's something you got your Instagram it's a filter. filter. Yeah. I here first. Um, and there's something to be said about the rawness that used yeah. to be there. And there's some acts today that, of course, still have that rawness. Yeah. But what you find in a lot of these new music playlists on Spotify are like top hot tracks. Mm-hmm. It's almost candy pop. Even if it's rock, it's all overproduced. It's all mm-hmm. to level where it wants us to. You know, it's like a shiny brand new iPad. Yeah. I don't want that. I want something that, that lasts. You yes. want something with meat to it that lasts. Like, Zoo, what's a record you listened to in the last three years that you listen to once every two months? Once every two months, huh? I'm going to actually really say, I'm not going to lie to you, Akon Convicted with a K. <laughs> okay. The classic, yeah. like yeah. the red yeah. of him looking down. And actually, like, Akon is something, somebody that's very... Very interesting. Way more than just music. He recently just released a, a, a new currency, cryptocurrency called Acoin. But is that, do you like that? Or is that a guy who's just like, nobody's buying my records. I guess I'm moving oh, on to the Bitcoin industry now. Okay, okay, okay. You know what? You, you, uh, that I, I have no comment on. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say revisiting that because of one, the story chapter of his life and how he has encapsulated that whole journey in that i'm like oh my gosh like this this must have been this must have been trauma for his heart you know because i mean he 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 was a criminal right but to to know that even in the criminal walls he still found solace in his melodies yeah but one thing that's also very interesting is you mentioned akon Mm. i bet you the first time you heard akon spotify did not exist yet the first time you heard Akon, you were younger. You were in high school. You were listening, you watching much music. You got some CD on the radio, got like yes. that. You you grew up with Akon. Akon is somebody from your past who's still there. What I find is this new crop of musicians, unfortunately for them, they're in a time where everything is so quick and everything passes in so quickly, in and out, in and out. These guys like Akon, you know, his other contemporaries you could bring up. I think a guy like Usher, who hasn't done anything in years. He's somebody who's still going to get a lot of attention today because he had he was around in that period when it was you know, music like, was yeah yeah. But whereas somebody else like who's like younger and hot, I don't know, like uh, Post Malone or Meek Mill, yeah. somebody who was really 
came around in the Spotify age, will we still be talking about them like this in 10 years from now? I don't know about that. I don't know. 15 years from now, I'm going to talk about Akon Usher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 15 years ago. Wow. So much has literally changed. And I believe this is one of the reasons why we, we want to talk about it. Yeah. We want to bring people like you into our podcast where we, we, we be able to, one, reminisce about the olden times to, to almost like see the current situation and what, what people like uh, that are so dedicated to music, what they're, what they're doing to be able to stay sane throughout all this, like almost like drinking water out of a fire hose. Yeah. Right. Well, there's also a reason why things are timeless for a reason. Yeah. English classes still read Shakespeare. You know, it still teaches yeah. kids about what, how to write today and what to appreciate today in music. Yeah. Talk to any band coming up today, they'll still sing to you any Beatles song. They know the Beatles. They know the Stones. Like yeah. that stuff, it doesn't ever age because it's about it's the truth. It's about human emotions. It's yeah. like, and it's done in such a masterful way that I, I don't know. It's, I'm thinking about this a lot recently. So the Beatles, I listen to the Beatles a lot. The Beatles, to me, no matter what anybody says, best band of all time. Recently, we just passed the 50th anniversary of the last time the Beatles played together live. The rooftop concert. That was in 1969. Um, wow. So 50 years have gone by. And that still kind of stirs me watching those videos, watching the, those four guys on the rooftop playing some songs and busy London rush hour. Um, 50 years before the Beatles, before that rooftop concert, 1919. Paul McCartney and John Lennon in 1969 were not listening to any songs from 1919. You know, like that stuff was like, that's gone. You know, what they listen to, they listen to the early rock and roll stuff. They listen to stuff in more contemporary period. Yeah. But we're at the first time ever right now where recorded music stays part of the conversation for so long. Yeah. Where things like, you know, in terms of vinyl sales, you go to a record store, talk to, guy the, talk to the guy at the record store, he'll tell you that. Still the Zeppelin, the Pink Floyd, the Beatles, those are still bands that are some of the top sellers. They get a new Zeppelin record, or a used Zeppelin record shows up in the shop, it's gone within a day or two. People are still going back to stuff that's like 40 years old. Yeah. But those artists that we love, well, I love, like, you know, these old guys, they weren't listening to that old stuff. Yeah. And it's, uh, I'm wondering to see where things go after this. Like, are we like, maybe the why the Beatles and the Zeppelin and the Stones and the Who, maybe why they were so unique and powerful at that time is because they had to think for themselves and they like, yeah. they didn't know what came before. They didn't have that high bar. Yeah. You know, if you meet somebody who tells you, my band's going to be the Beatles, you're going to laugh at them. Or in the seventies, like I'm better than the Beatles. You're gonna laugh at them. Yeah, the Beatles didn't have, you know, they loved Elvis, but yeah, but they didn't say I'm gonna be better than Elvis. Yeah, and even then, like Elvis was r- relatively contemporary. You know, it was within ten years of the Beatles putting out their stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's still recent enough. Um, you know, when you think that the Beatles only existed for nine years and a half, huh. and, and how long they've survived ever since then, like uh, there's something timeless about that period that. I just wonder what's going to happen to the music we listen to today Absolutely. or if our kids are going to be listening still to stuff in the 60s and 70s. You know, if, if you're in a club and Respect by Aretha Franklin comes on, everybody's dancing to that. Everybody jumps to the floor. Everybody sings the words. 10,000%. Whereas the new club hit, it recycles itself out every couple months. And gets refreshed every Monday. Yeah. On Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Honestly, it is such a pleasure having you today in 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 uh, the very first podcast here at 
Face the music with K23. Before before we close off this podcast, Stuart, I have one last question for you. I've got a question for you too. Oh, my last question to you is, what advice do you have for a journalist student wanting to get into the field? Don't be afraid of the word no. It's like, I got started writing an email to my favorite website from Chicago. Yeah. It was a pipe dream. I was just like, I'll put this out there and see what happens. They wrote back to me. I did not expect that to happen. Um, a week before my first uh, time working at Oceaga, Sam Roberts, uh, there's a long story behind that, but ran into Sam Roberts in the streets of Montreal. And I was like, hey, I'm going to be working at Oceaga next week and you're playing. He's like, cool, man. Uh, do you know what time my set's at? I don't even know what time my set's at. So I looked at my phone. No, I actually didn't think I had a phone. I think I must have had a paper schedule with me. I was so excited. And I told him everything. He's like, cool. When the show happens, I'll come to your side of the stage. I'll remember who you are. You'll get the best pictures. And things like that. It's like, don't be afraid of talking to strangers. Don't be afraid of the word no. Send emails out to everybody. Like, you know, and that goes for everything in life, not just music journalism, but as you said before, I'm an environmentalist. And when I get home from this tonight, I'm sending emails out to Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris. I want to write to these people in the United States and be like, I've got a master's of environmental science. I work in environmental policy. Do you need help on your campaign with environmental policy? The wor- you know, the worst thing is you spend 10 minutes of life writing an email. We've wasted 10 minutes of our lives way quicker than that. Oh, amen. Yeah. So just, send, you know, that's one thing about today is that I like to rip on a lot of modern technology and how fast everything's moving. But with emails, it's very simple to find somebody's email address on the internet, write something. If anything comes with that, great. If not, another one is like, uh, I'm a huge Montreal Canadiens fan. I love Go Habs Go, love hockey. Um, and a couple of years ago, I just reached out to the NHL. I was like, hey, I'm an environmentalist. Do you have an environmental program in the NHL? They put me in contact with the head guy of the environment for the NHL. I spoke to him and gave me some advice about how to combine my love of the environment and love of sports and hockey. And so just like put yourself out there. Put yourself out there. That's one of the biggest things I find is like people are too shy of rejection. And oftentimes, like, don't worry, they won't reject you. They just won't work back to you. You know, you'll be ghosted, but like, give it a shot. Give it a shot. That's your homework for tonight. Send out three emails. Ladies and gentlemen, Stuart Wiseman of For Faced Music with K23. Thank you so much for being here today. I'll be back soon. Yes, most definitely. This is awesome. This is the first podcast uh, uh, for Face the Music with K23 2019. Be here. Thank you.